somehow I think we think it's weakness to like, right. oh, hey, bro, I'm not doing good. Yeah. You go to war with a whole company of warriors. <laughs> you don't go by yourself. Like, yeah. Like a select number of people go in like alone and unafraid. It's like yep. five in the whole, you know what I mean? Like yep. even the top dudes, the special operations guys, they're going in with a team of like 12 bros that can like really do some work. So I yeah. don't know why we get in this mindset of in when it comes to our marriages or being parents yeah. or at work. Like we think we have to just like shoulder it all alone and figure it all out. And like there, there's, there's a good, you know, having a good strong work ethic and trying to be a problem solver. That's a good thing. Yep. But I solve a lot of problems by bouncing it off of a good, smart friend first, and yeah. then go, hey, what about this? And you go, oh, man, helpful. I am so excited to be speaking at the Conscious Investor Growth Summit, March 8th through the 10th, out in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It's going to be an amazing event. I'm so honored to be speaking alongside 20-plus amazing other speakers, and we're going to be deep diving into health, wealth, and mindset. You do not want to miss this event. Make sure that you find your way there. Also... Use the code ERIC, E-R-I-K, for 50% off your ticket. I hope to see you there. Keep changing the world. George, you're a husband, father, veteran, athlete. You're the host of the Present Fathers podcast and so much more. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. I'd like to kick things off by going back a bit. Where did you grow up and, and what was childhood like for you? Yeah, uh, I grew up in Oregon. Uh, outside Portland, Oregon, in a town called Beaverton. Yeah. Um, early childhood, pretty good. You know, had the happy 90s kid lifestyle, played in the <laughs> cul-de-sac with all my friends, rode our bikes everywhere. Um, I'm the oldest of three, so it's me and then my younger brother, and then I have, we have a younger sister. Nice. Um, <clears throat> she was kind of the princess of the house, as you can imagine, two boys first. So, <laughs> totally. uh, yeah, there was, there was no animosity there whatsoever. No, right. But uh, in all seriousness, <laughs> like my early childhood was awesome. Uh, middle school, high school age started getting a little rough. Um, okay. my parents ended up divorcing when I was 16. Actually, I think they divorced like the week of my birthday when I was 16, wow. um, or like right around it. So it was like wham, wham, you know, uh, got yep. my driver's license and my parents split up. So, Jeez. um, <laughs> that was kind of like, you know, trying to go to a very high level, my, my growing up, um, sure. but you know, despite all the family drama and hardship and things like that, you know, I still. I look back with a lot of gratitude for, um, you know, the life I had and, and all the blessings that I had. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it ended up making me the man I am today. And so you, you can't help but look back and be thankful for any of those experiences. Um, but totally. Yeah. Gives, it, gives you resilience. Through, you know, I'm on the, <laughs> on the older edge of the millennial generation and, you know, life was good back then, man, you know, like, right. Right. Bikes till the sun went down. So totally, man. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, thank you again for your service. Like, when did you decide that you wanted to join and what inspired you to go that route? So I was always like really intrigued by the military, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, you'd go to the state fair or whatever, and they've got, you know, the national guard out there or whatever with their display, you know, the Humvee yep. and they got a tow missile on top. Like, oh, cool. You know, and you'd go <laughs> totally. play army in the woods. And so I was yeah. always like, really like, you know, the military is awesome. Um, I really got serious about it in high school. Uh, okay. I really started looking into it. I'm like, hey, I think I want to do this. I was for a while thinking maybe I wanted to be like in the medical field. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to like med school or something. And I took high uh, chemistry in high school. And I was like, nope. Med school. Yeah. I got an okay grade. But I was like, this stuff sucks. I'm not doing that. So <laughs> I, I switched to like, hey, I'm going to go in the army. Um, I applied to get an ROTC scholarship. I didn't even know any better. Like I didn't, I didn't know the difference between like officer enlisted. Um, gotcha. No one really in my family had really been in the military. So 
Yeah, I just it was something I always felt called to. Um, mm. And if I really boil it down, like number one reason is I wanted to serve my country and be a bigger part, you know, part of something bigger than myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I was in seventh grade when nine eleven happened. So that wow. to say that marked my life is an understatement. I think pretty much everyone in around my age has a very similar experience from that. And yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I always was enamored with it. Nine eleven happened, and then it was probably like, hey, you know, I think this is almost certainly what I'm going to do when I'm an adult. And uh, mm. so, yeah, that was kind of the drive behind it. And uh, I went to the University of Oregon with a full, you know, four-year scholarship to do ROTC and um, graduated commissioned and off to, uh, you know, your basic course. And then you joined the real force. So right. uh, back then, um, it was 2012 by the time I got to the 101st Airborne. And that was like right at the height still of, you know, hey, show up, deploy, deploy, deploy. And sure. Um, so yeah, I was there for like two months and we were downrange. So wow, <laughs> things man. moved quick. That's crazy. I got one recruitment call when I was 18. I wish that I would have gotten more. I kick yeah. myself. I'm 44 now. I kick myself all the time for, for not joining, right? And not putting, mm. getting out there. That one call I got, I was 18 years old. I was a big time stoner, always doing drugs. And I remember like this guy called me and I'm like, who the hell is this man? Like, oh no, yeah. man, I ain't got time for this. So I can just blew it off. I wish I would have gotten a couple other calls mm. to like come back in because my life would have changed. Obviously, way different. I spent a lot of time in drugs and alcohol yeah. and, and lost, man. But uh, man, I, I, it's you know I'm just so thankful when I see soldiers walk around and first responders. My kids are 13 and 10, and my wife and I, anytime we see them in town, you know they're yeah. you know first responders. They're like, oh, dad, look, there's a guy in the army. Let's go say hi. You know, like they love to be able to say thank you. And, and man, yeah. it's just one of those moments where I go, dang it, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, if if I can speak to that point, I, I yeah. think there's, you know, your your specific story obviously probably would have gone a lot different, right? And so sure. I'm not dis discrediting that desire, but yeah, yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people kind of feel almost this guilt now, like, oh, I didn't serve post 9-11, so I'm <laughs> yep. a lesser than. And sure. man, if we were all soldiers, our country would suck. Like, right. <laughs> there's a lot of bad things about us. We're not like the best people in the world, you know? Totally. Like, at the end of the day, I'm a guy put on a different uniform. Some people yeah. put on a suit. I put on a uniform. Yeah, um, and I, you know, I haven't done that for a long time now. I'm in the National Guard now, so I I, I pretend to be in the Army once a month. Okay. But, um, <laughs> you know, awesome. I think being being an upstanding citizen means a lot more than just being in the military. And I I'm super proud of the military. I really love yeah. you know everything I've done, and I've met amazing people. But it's definitely not for everyone. Right. Um, and again, I I think if you look at our country as a whole, like we need people to be more than just soldiers or first responders. Like yeah. I, Huge respect to first responders. Uh, I think actually they get not enough credit. I think the military gets too much credit. Sure. Um, I would much rather have to deal with army stuff than like what police have to deal with. Uh, mm -hmm. I think they have it the worst. Um, yeah. But I say all that to say that if you're listening to this and maybe you feel like, oh, I, I didn't join the military so I can't serve my country. That's absolutely not true. I think right. if you are an upstanding citizen, you're doing good things in your local community, like that makes a difference. And that, that is serving. You know, Huge. It's not just shooting a gun. <laughs> yep. Yep. Totally. Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy down at Tranquil Turn Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Look, my wife and I, we see Tracy and her team every single month for a couple's massage, and it is the best thing. Tracy is a master massage specialist and a Hanu Ashiatsu trainer. You need to reach out to Tracy and her team. Make sure that you tell them that I sent you, and you'll get 25 bucks off your next massage. Also, while you're there, check out CDA Brows, Body, and Ink. Make sure to tell Tracy that I sent you, and you'll save 100 bucks on your next tattoo brows and plasma tightening services. Well, how has like, being in the military shaped the way that you approach being a dad, and, and what advice do you give to those younger dads that are in the military? Mm. 
Yeah, I think initially it shaped me in maybe a little bit of the wrong way. Okay. Uh, I was way too intense about a lot. Um, mm. I was a very intense guy. Still am, but I've, I've mellowed and I've learned and stretched. But in a lot of ways, though, it also made me really good because I'm you know, very disciplined. Like I didn't need someone to tell me what to do. I just like took action and stuff. So yeah. it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like some of the things that make you really good as a military leader can apply to like marriage and raising kids, but you, yep. you need to temper it with a different approach. Like the principles are the same, but the way you show up is different. So, you know, it's, it's a softer tone. It's getting on their level. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't talk to them like soldiers because they're children. And, right. Um, <laughs> so my advice for dads who are in, especially in the military or, or a high stress job like that, police, fire, um, or something where you're, you're like, you have to be on at work and you have to ha have kind of an authoritative persona. Yep. Um, is to look into this book called The Alter Ego Effect. And this is something I, I'd kind of inherently done my whole life. And then I read this book and I was like, wow, okay. And I like took it to the next level. But uh, he gives a specific example in that book. It's by Todd Herman of where he had met like this, you know, special forces uh, commander, you know, colonel or something. Hmm. And the guy basically asked him like, you know, I really struggle with my kids. And, and he was like, just make a new alter ego, like make your dad alter ego. So when you come home and take off your uniform, you're not the colonel anymore, you're dad, you know? Right. And that would be my advice is to kind of play with that concept. Yeah. Um, Cause it's really like the military is so all consuming, right? Active duty, like you live and breathe it, your family lives and breathe it. It, it is your life. And yep. it's very hard to separate. Cause a lot of ways you're praised, you know, you're validated as a man in uniform mm -hmm. for like being all those things. Mm -hmm. but a lot of times that's the wrong <clears throat> instrument when you come home, you know, you're a hammer looking for a nail when in reality you need to be a tender hug. Right. Yes. So yeah. having maybe playing with that alter ego effect concept, mm -hmm. um, it's a really easy read too for anyone listening. Uh, nice. Easy book to get through. Very simple concept. Um, developing, you know, hey, I'm home. I'm, I'm dad now. I'm not the soldier anymore. That, that is probably the one thing I wish I would have known up front because I, I probably would have showed up better as a husband and a father. Mm. Yeah, you hear a lot of people talk about that work-life balance life and, you know, you got to be yeah. able to balance this. And like, as in, in your position, trying to balance being a dad and a husband and being in the military and having this podcast, like, does that all just blend together? Or is there some sort of balance that you're able to kind of put into play and separate the, the items there? Um, well, so it's, I haven't done all this all at once, right? I left active duty in 2016. Okay. I actually had a break in service of almost three years. And then I joined the National Guard. Gotcha. Um, and I joke now that the Guard is just enough army in my life. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> totally. in terms of work-life balance with the military, it's actually really good now. Nice. Um, there are times where I miss active duty, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of great things about it, but I also kind of reflect that and, and compare and contrast things that my family's done where if we were active, we probably wouldn't have been able to do. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I, I don't think I would make a different decision if I could go back. Yeah. Work, work-life balance. I'm, I'm a little conflicted on that one. Like, I think it depends on what you're working on, right? Sure. Like if, yep. if you're doing something that has real purpose and like you're, you're, you're really giving it your all and, and like in your family knows that it's what you were put on the earth to do type of thing, then, you know, I think that that is different than like, I'm in this dead end job that I absolutely hate and I have to be here, you know, 70 hours a week or something. That's a very different scenario because totally. right? now you're just robbing time from the family. So I think if we can peel that back a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. peel the onion on it, it's more of like, are you living through like with your purpose? Are you, are you accomplishing your purpose? Um, and I think, you can you could get caught up too much in it, but I think it your family typically tends to understand a little bit better and, and maybe 
you know, it, it doesn't cause issues if you're really like doing something that matters because it's yep. part of like, hey, the family is also giving to that as well in a sense. Um, yeah. So I think for, you know, anyone listening on active duty, um, some of it might just be having a, a real conversation with your spouse, right? Like, hey, honey, totally. is this still working? You know, mm -hmm. um, like, can we, you know, wherever you are to getting to retirement, like having that conversation periodically, hey, babe, can we keep going? Like, can you, can, are we going to be able to make it doing this? And yeah, um, and it sounds really simple, but if you don't talk about it, you know, you're going to make assumptions and deep down, she, your spouse may be like, absolutely not. Like you, you need to find an exit plan immediately. Right. And okay. Yep. Hey, I got a shift. And, and that was, for me, that was a big reason. Like it was, we had a, we had a really uh, hard time with the birth. My wife had like severe postpartum, like hospitalized and all kinds of stuff. It was, it was rough. Um, wow. and I was kind of like, Hey, oof, this army thing, I, I probably need to make a career change here because yep. I, I need to be around more. Um, mm. that's not a knock on my wife. I, I love her so much. She's an incredible mother and yep. wife and I'm so thankful for her, but you know, it was kind of that wake up call of like, I'd really love to do 20 years, but I don't think I can. Sure. So. Man, it, it, I think it, it's gosh. Yeah. The, the whole, once you bring kids into the marriage, it, it, the yeah. dynamics change, my wife and I spent five years just being us. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, before we started having kids and we went on missions trips out of Mexico and built homes and yeah. you know, things like that. We almost moved to Mexico. We just loved it down there. Just be able to build homes and stuff. And it's funny cause I'm not a tool person at all. I grew up, my dad would just say, hey, pay people to do stuff. And my wife, she grew up with her, her grandfather was a shop teacher for 30 years. So he had every okay. tool known to man and taught her how to do everything. I never would change a tire or brakes or spark plug until I married my wife. And then he was like, get over here. And I was like, you know, the, the kid holding the flashlight at 35 years old, right? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> so, no higher. <laughs> that type of situation. But yeah. uh, man, your podcast, it's the present father's podcast. It's all about climbing this mountain of fatherhood together, which I, I think that's yeah. an amazing thing. I think there's too many dads that try to do this alone. And yeah. I know that I've kind of wandered in the wilderness alone for a long time, but what's been that most unexpected, like, peak or challenging kind of terrain that you've encountered so far in your own journey and how did you get through that i think so when it came to being a dad i i, I never really had any huge struggles i think for mm -hmm. me it was our marriage right our, our marriage mm -hmm. was super turbulent um we've been married just over 10 years now okay and i mean like nine and a half of them have been pretty rough you know if i'm being blatantly honest sure um but that affected how I showed up as a dad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I knew what I needed to do as a dad, but you know, it's like when you're, when you're not in sync with your wife, like that, you both show up as a worse version of yourself for your kids. So I yeah. think for me, that was the biggest thing, you know, cause I think maybe that's a lot of guys out there like, Oh, I just need to, I'll just be the best dad I can be and nothing else matters. It's like, uh, your marriage is actually priority number one. And then the kids in my, totally. Yeah. Um, I say things to my daughter, like, you know, hang on, I'm going to kiss mom first when I get home or, right. I don't talk to my wife that way, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I use language like that because I want to model for her that having a strong, you know, loving marriage is like priority number one and, yeah. and the kids are protected under that relationship. So they need to know that they're number two while they're children because mm -hmm. um, they're kind of looking for that. Um, that was my struggle was, was how I showed up as a husband. Yeah. And I think it really detracted from my role as dad and mm -hmm. As I leveled up being a better husband, I naturally showed up better. Uh, and I have a daughter, so I'm a girl dad. Yeah. Um, you know, that was an adjustment, of course. You know, you, you know boys, you don't know girls. Um, yeah, yeah. And I've had to really, like, I've really had to learn empathy. That is a weak point for me. And there's always been a weakness. I'm a very yeah. cold, like, calculated type of guy. Yeah. And uh, emotional intelligence and empathy have been, like, you know, the more I get 
skilled at those mm-hmm. things, yep. the better I can relate to the women in my in my family, you know. And uh, I think that's very important. So um, important, man. Uh, my daughter's thirteen, and and uh, my son is ten, and and that was something where I think I I lacked as well as that empathy area, yeah. right? And I think we all know, do. <laughs> my wife and I, we both came from broken homes, and and so we had mm-hmm. no example of a good marriage. We didn't know, like we knew what we didn't want, but we didn't have any good examples of what really to do, yeah. right? We, and, we were a lot like that. You know, and I think the first five years, we just kind of were trying to get to know each other, you know, like, do you know, how do we do this marriage thing? And I still struggle in that area of like communication, right? Like I, I try to do everything on my own and try to like, oh, I can, I can do this and not let her in on some of the business stuff that I do. And, you know, that's some of the, the struggles that I've done. And, and, you know, I've had to give the dad voice like, hey, you can't talk to mom that way, right? Like that type of stuff because, yeah. um it's just, that's, that's how it is, man. As a dad, like my job is to protect my wife and make sure that she's there. And, and my, our kids know that we're going to argue, but we're also going to make up. We're going to kiss in the kitchen. Yeah. We're going to dance, dance in the kitchen. Right. And they, they see us argue, they see us make up. Um, and you know, it's interesting this year we brought our kids home to do homeschool. And so I've been I working see. from home since 2015. So all four of us in there are in the house all yeah. day long every day and some you know, challenges with that. <laughs> totally yeah you mean i mean my office is upstairs so i'll see you when i go downstairs to get coffee or something like that but um it, it definitely ma- makes some for some adjustments that i have to make if i go down yeah. there and school is not going as well as it should like i'm like do i step in do i not like you know right. one of those moments but mm-hmm. man how did your podcast come together? Like people need to be listening to this show, by the way, because I love your show, man. It's a great show, but it looks like you do this with not just yourself. There's other dads that are involved in this. Like, how did you guys bring this together? Yeah. Um, so we are a group of four friends. Uh, two of them are twin brothers. So, you know, they've known each other their whole lives. Nice. Um, and then so it's myself, Dustin, Justin, and Brandon. Okay. And uh, Justin and Brandon are the twins. But long story short, we've been friends for a very, very long time. Um, we've always stayed in touch. We all live all, you know, in different parts of the country, but we've always stayed in touch. Um, and really, like during COVID time frame, we were like, man, just so, so upset with like the direction of our country and mm. like kind of the lack of just like men stepping up, you know, and yep. especially dads. And then like looking into stats like father, fatherlessness and, and broken homes and you know, and how that leads to drug abuse and, and, you know, the statistically your odds are significantly higher. And we're like, we got to do something about this. And we were like, yeah. well, what can we do? And, yep. um, you know, with COVID times and limited resources and stuff, we are like, well, let's, let's start a podcast. And, you know, really the, the, uh, the only goal we had to start out was just, if we can just help one guy be a better dad than mission accomplished, you know, Huge. And, and we'll probably learn some things in the process. So we just, we were, we stayed faithful to that and just kept, uh, kept putting out episodes and, and learning and growing and, um, if I can kind of circle back to your, your earlier question, like that's, yeah. that's like the number two thing I didn't do well was I isolated mm. and I didn't have guys around me to either help me like, yep. you know, just to be an, a shoulder to cry on type of thing, sure. you know, hear me out or to hold me accountable and be like, Hey bro, not the way to talk to your wife. Yeah. Don't ever do that. Again. You know what I mean? Yep. <clears throat> totally. And I think we really need that as men. Like we, we need both the, the, the pure respect of like hey man i see you i really love what you're doing i respect you you know like we we need that affirmation deep down yep. if you yep. don't admit that then i'd argue you probably don't have it mm-hmm. <laughs> so once you totally. feel that you know it, it changes how you walk around the rest of your world you know yeah um, but we also need i think accountability right we we tell good stories to ourselves and mm-hmm. we you know lie to ourselves <clears throat> about how good we really are and then right maybe not you know and so sometimes having that strong friend who really knows you knows you to your core 
yeah is a very valuable tool to help you reassess like oh maybe i do need to show up better as dad but that was a huge goal we wanted to accomplish with this podcast was to like yeah. help guys understand how important that brotherhood is so that's why mm-hmm. everything we did in the name is super intentional um yep present yep. meaning like present day right we're gonna yep. tackle modern issues and help men today you know be, be better for their families yep but it's also presence like being with your families mm-hmm. and i understand like I'm, I'm a military guy like i understand what it means to be away from your family it's not sure. necessarily all of the time but like when you're there how are you showing up that's yeah. that's what we're trying to get to Huge. Um, and then with the logo the mountains and everything right like climbing a mountain is very hard work mm-hmm. uh, and you can't do it alone you have to have a team you know and and support structure and everything to make it happen um so that's kind of like the, the the final kind of meaning behind the name was uh and climbing the mountain together is that you can't do it alone yep we need each other you know like when when he's anchored in above you and, and you fall well you're still on the rope so you can get back up you know yeah you exactly have that you're toast so um i say all that to say that the final outcome of the mountain is sometimes we think, you know, the peak is here, right? And we climb it and we crest the hill mm-hmm. and we see there's actually more. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It's not like, oh, there's so much more work to do. It's as you grow and level up, both as a man, as a husband, as a father, there's more goodness that you can walk into, right? Like, it's not like you hit level 10 and, and get stuck. It goes yep. up to level 100 and then you hit 100 and it hits 1,000. And that's the beauty of like what a strong marriage and, and involved fatherhood ultimately accomplishes is yep. it changes bloodlines it, it mm-hmm. helps the next generation and it sets them up for success and so yeah we were all super passionate about that we just got started you know a year and a half ago come on like we're just going to commit to this and um you know, if this is one small mark we can leave on society um the mission accomplished so it's so important to have that brotherhood of other dudes that that yes. guy that can call you out when you're kind of being a jerk or a jackass right like in a good yeah. way right like it's so important to have that guy and that guy for me is a guy named Kelly Cardenas. And man, I went down to California to an event called Prosperity Camp. Um, it was okay. a guy named Greg Reed had this event and he was on my podcast and he does this event and he invited me down. There's only 50 people allowed. 49 of them are millionaires. I'm the one that's not right. Like I go in there, like <laughs> I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I mean, I had no money. I was using air miles to get down there. I was staying at Motel 6. I was going to walk three miles to his house. Like I just knew that I wanted to be in that room though, right? Yeah. And I got down there and I met this guy named Kelly and he invited me to go watch the sunrise at the beach down in Carlsbad. And I was in this mindset of like, all I wanted to do was be this full-time entrepreneur. I wanted to quit my nine to five, just do full-time entrepreneurship. And I remember sitting there on the beach and I was talking with Kelly and I was like, man, I just want to do this so bad. And, he, and I remember him looking at me and goes, Eric, of all these people that you've met this weekend, they're all successful entrepreneurs. They're all millionaires. He goes, but how many of them have successful marriages? And I was like, yeah. oh, that was like an eye-opening moment for me because I could probably count on one hand the number of people that were married one time in that whole building that I met, wow. right? Like crazy. Yeah. And it was super eye-opening for me to hear that. And then, of course, you know, Kelly's been one of my friends. I talk to him every week now, and but he's such a real dude. And if I didn't yeah. have him in my life, man, it would just be – I would feel at a loss, man. But you got to have that accountability, I think, for guys. Um Yeah. Man, when you're what? talking, oh, go ahead. I was just say it's not weakness either. Like somehow I think we think it's weakness to right. like, oh, hey, bro, I'm not doing good. Yeah, you go to war with a whole company of warriors. <laughs> you don't go by yourself. Like, yeah. like a select number of people go in like alone and unafraid. It's like yep. five in the whole. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Even the top dudes, the special operations guys, they're going in with a team of like twelve bros that can like really do some work. So I yeah. don't know why we get in this mindset of 
in when it comes to our marriages or being parents yeah. or at work. Like we think we have to just like shoulder it all alone and figure it all out. And like there, there's, there's a good, you know, having a good strong work ethic and trying to be a problem solver, that's a good thing. Yep. But I solve a lot of problems by bouncing it off of a, a good smart friend first. And yeah. they go, hey, what about this? And you go, oh, man, helpful. And then yes. you knock it out, you know? So it, it, if you're listening to this and like you don't have friends like that, Go make the effort. It is the highest. It's like it's going to pay off so much for you in every mm-hmm. aspect of your life to have real friends who really know you, the real you. Yep. And it's okay to be a little bit vulnerable when you start building up that relationship. Like, hey, man, like, I'm not going to lie. I just really need a good close friend yeah. that I can confide in. That's going to make them feel good. Like, whoa, this dude thinks that I'm good enough to be like his confidant, you know? Right. Anyway. No, I think that's huge, man. Um, I think too many guys and dads, we, we fail to ask that four-letter word, man. They, we fail to ask for help, right? Yeah. And, and we just want to isolate your, ourselves, like you said, man. And it's so important for us to do that. Man, for you as, as a dad, like what are those daily habits, non-negotiables that you implement to really make your day a success as a husband and as a father? Yeah, I start like basically when I wake up. Um, so I do, I, I do a thing, I call it like a creed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's essentially, I write down and it's a living document. So it's always updating with whatever new season of life comes in, or maybe something happens and I realize, Oh, this is a weak point I need to reemphasize, but it's essentially yeah. just telling myself, reminding myself of these are the qualities and attributes that George needs to be or wants to be for his family. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's offense, right? I'm starting the day telling myself like, this is who I'm going to be. Right. As opposed to like, well, I'll just play, hold my shield up and hope that like when life's arrows get shot at me, I can block them. It's like, uh-huh. that's not a great strategy, right? Totally. <laughs> so, so I start with the creed, you know, it's morning prayer and, and meditation, yeah. that kind of stuff. And so if you're not religious, you know, just taking some time to journal the previous day, I do sure. that. I take a personal inventory and it's very basic. It's just like, Hey, was yesterday good? What wasn't good? It takes mm-hmm. me 10 seconds. You know, it's very quick. Yeah. Um, well. And then what I've started doing recently is almost every single day I take a little sticky note, right? just a personal affirmation to my wife and mm-hmm. one to my daughter and I stick them around the house in places oh. that they're going to find them later. Yeah. Um, and that's just like a huge, you know, it takes me again, 10 seconds maybe to mm-hmm. write these notes and that, that makes a humongous like payout for them. My daughter like showed me excitedly where she's storing every single one I'm writing to her. So, Man. you know, it's those little things that I think it just sets you up yep. in your day. And that's, that's how I've kind of, you know, your day is going to happen, right? Work's going to yep. be work or whatever's totally. going to happen. And you can't control those things. Um, but when you start grounded in those basics and mm-hmm. you do it on a consistent basis, you start to believe them about yourself too, right? A lot of this is up here yep, um, in your head. And by kind of getting into it first thing in the day, I think it just sets me up on the right footing. It's a good foundation to handle mm-hmm. whatever life throws at me. Man, that's huge. I love the the sticky notes for your daughter. I, I think... Uh, that's one thing that I've not been consistent with is writing my kids notes. Mm-hmm. My, my wife, I, three years ago, I started doing post-it notes. So every that's morning I do a post-it note and put it on the mirror. And at the end of the year, she's like, this is awesome, but I don't know what to do with them. And I was like, well, how do I keep track of these things? So I bought like these five by eight hardcover journal books. And okay. so now when I wake up before I leave the bathroom in the morning, I'm writing like a three sentence, just, Hey, babe. You're awesome. Thank you for doing this yesterday. Or man, I'm sorry. I screwed up big time last night. Like I, you know, and, and that calls for conversation, but at least that gives me some sort of like, I want to express that first thing in the morning and, yeah. and talk about that. But, um, 
and so we've got these books now for the last couple of years that she can go through and every day I've written in that, uh, you know, thing. And even when I go on business trips, I still write in that book while I'm on business trip, I'll come back and give it to her. She can read it you know, three or four days to it. Um, it. It's, I would say it's, it's created some great conversations between my mm-hmm. wife and I, and, and um, just having that. But I think your idea of writing to your daughter and putting those notes everywhere, man, I think that's huge. I, I think I need to definitely implement that for my son and my daughter for sure, man. Yeah. And I, th- I think, for both your son and your daughter, I think, you know, they're, they're both a little bit different. They're, they're probably important in different ways, Sure, but I think equally of equal value. Right. <clears throat> so for your son, I mean, like wanting to, wanting to have your dad be proud of you is like, I mean, what son doesn't want that. Right. I mean, right. that's like you're born and want that, you know, like that's yes. just par for the course. So totally, <laughs> um, you know, like having that affirmation, I mean, that's like putting on armor, you know, like yeah. he, he's gonna be ready to rock, you know, that that's superpower really. But then for your daughter, I think it's very different. It's, um, you're modeling for her what she should expect in a man as yes. a future husband, you know? And, Huge. And that's something I've really done a lot of like thinking and learning on is, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter's eight. She's going to start dating probably in like, you know, teenage years, not that far away. Yeah. Like what type of dad do I want to be during that phase? And, uh, you know, I think the work I'm doing now, how I show up now shapes how she's going to start being interested in boys, right? Like yep. if, if he's just some jerk, and I've I've modeled the opposite. She'll be like, hey, "That guy's a jerk." Right. But if I've modeled being a jerk, guess what? <laughs> she's she's gonna think that's normal. So yep. I I've been very 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 intentional on that one because that mm-hmm. doesn't scare me necessarily, but I think it's it's wise to be aware of like what the future holds and, totally. and to plan for it. And and um, man, yeah, I just don't, I don't want my daughter to um. Well, and I pray, I pray for whoever my future son-in-law is going to be. Yeah. Right? I, I want her to have big time, an amazing man that like, I want for a son myself. And, and, you know, I think we joke about that, like, oh, I'll have the gun ready for when he brings you home, you know, or whatever. It's like, I don't <laughs> totally. know if that's the right approach. Because then she's not going to want to talk to you about, oh, he was mean to me or whatever. I'm like, hey, babe, that's not okay. Like, right now I'll go get my gun, you know? <laughs> it's, it, it's interesting. So, my wife and I jo- joke about that all the time. Like, you know. Uh, my daughter, she's not dating anyone and, and I don't think that she even wants to, but you know, like we don't own property yet, but I, I, you know, I always say, Hey, look, when, when the boys start coming over, I'm going to make them dig their own little six foot grave out in the backyard. <laughs> right. And yeah. we'll see it, measure them up. Right. Like <laughs> just in case, like, buddy, this is where you're going to end up. Cause no one will find yeah. you, you know, like that type of thing, man. I know that we're over time. I love to ask one final last question though, man. I'm a big music guy. So I'd ask a question like you're a nineties kid. What, what's a favorite band for you? What type of music do you like to listen to? I'm going to. So I did not listen to like mainstream stuff. Uh, okay, I'm I'm kind of a weirdo. My like favorite band of all time is Dream Theater. Okay, you yeah. know who that is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I guess I didn't listen to them in the '90s, but okay, uh, <laughs> I, it's just because I hadn't heard of them. But right. I, I guess you know I was always like I like guitar. I started playing when I was 11, I think. Okay. Um, cool. So I always like was drawn to like really good electric guitar playing. You know. Sure. And my first guitar teacher like shredded for me one time, and I was like that how do i do that you know and like so That's i was awesome. kind of just hooked on all things rock and roll and whatnot and I, I don't really remember like specific bands from the 90s but yeah man dream theater i've seen them live multiple times oh nice john petrucci's like my guitar idol you know I'm like man okay. if i could if i could have as much talent in my pinky as he has in his whole body <laughs> i i could die happy you know but yeah. yeah, so hopefully, hopefully that resonates with you a little bit. But oh, that's awesome, man! Yeah, dude, I, like all, I, of, all of five of your listeners will know who I'm talking about. 
Dude, that's that's so good, man. I I used to be just straight metalhead, Corn, Rob Zombie, like all those okay. guys in high school. And then I started working for Universal Records, and they said you actually do need to listen to other music if you want to work here. And so it kind of right. opened my eyes to you know country and more hip hop. And actually, the yeah. very first CD I ever owned was a band called Arrested Development. They had a song called Tennessee <laughs> way back in the day, and. Funny thing, I was following speech of the lead singer of Rest of on Instagram, and I saw that he had this new documentary coming out. And I was like, I wonder if you'd want to be on my podcast. And I just shot him a message on Instagram. Sure enough, booked him on my podcast. So I got to interview the guy of the very first thing I ever owned, man. It was Super the coolest cool. thing ever, dude. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, uh, that would be like a total bucket list if I could have John Petrucci on mine to dude. talk about being a dad. <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> I'd have the- a hard time staying like level. <laughs> I'd be like, can I get your autograph? Oh, that- yeah. It was uh, interesting. And I kind of like did that fanboy thing when I worked for yeah. Universal Records. Like <laughs> when I first started meeting rock stars, I was like, dude, I'm kind of nervous to meet this guy. You're like yeah. hanging out backstage with Beck, you know, I'm like, and Beck's like this tall. He's like on my shoulder, like super short guy, you know, but yeah. really, really nice guy. But like, I definitely had that fanboy thing when I first had speech on the show. And I was like, oh my gosh, dude, just so you know, like you're the first thing ever. You know? Yeah. And you're like, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So funny. But uh, dude, great, man. George, this is such a great show, man. You're an absolute world changer, man. So excited to get to know you more and follow your stuff, man. People need to go check out your podcast, The Present Father's Podcast, man. Thank you for your time, dude. I appreciate it. Eric, thank you, man. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope that my guest was able to bring you some amazing wisdom and knowledge to help you continue to fight for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose. If you could do me one big favor and just hit that subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Keep changing the world. I believe in you. Have an amazing day.